0: You are listening to the Half Court Press Podcast with Tess Howard.
1: Hi, I'm Alan Forsyth and you're listening to Half Court Press Podcast. Hello and welcome to Season 2 of the Half Court Press Podcast. In this series, Behind the Kit Bag, we take a look at the world of sport from a different angle. Each episode will bring you a story from somebody who has a non-playing role within the sport of their choice. My name is Theo McLeod and I will be with you for each and every interview. Suzanne Sinclair-Hamill is involved in the sport of hockey in Scotland. She predominantly works in schools in and around the East Coast. (laughs) Right Performance have started their own range of hockey kit, 100% carbon hockey sticks, 20% carbon for the kids, several different models, we have shin pads, gloves, the lot. Go to rightperformance.co.uk. So, welcome back to another episode of the Half Court Press podcast, Behind the Kit Bag. I'm sat here with Suzanne Sinclair Hamill, who is a fairly well-established hockey coach in the east of Scotland. Hello, Susie. Hi, Sarah.
0: How
1: are you doing? I'm I'm, I'm all right. I'm not bad. A bit a bit a bit bored with the uh, <laughs> social distancing of the coronavirus, but oh, God. so far I'm actually enjoying it a little
0: bit. <laughs> There's people. <laughs>
1: Um, That will
0: only last so long, though. I am, I am getting very, very bored without, without the hockey and the sports and being outside.
1: Well, yes, of course. Being being that the schools are closed, we can get onto this a bit more later on perhaps. But because the schools are closed, you can't work.
0: No, I cannot at the moment. Everything is uh, is new point. Uh, so uh, there's, there's lots of other things I can do I mean I'm getting outside with a few friends and parks and things um, also a lot of the universities have now released free courses so I'm going to spend this time updating uh, you know, my knowledge of sports psychology and, and things like that
1: Ok, what what universities are those? What courses are these?
0: Oh, there's, there's lots and lots and lots of them um, I've only seen a few, I need to get onto it this afternoon but um there's literally hundreds of places that, that are now offering free modules and things, so I'll, I'll need to, that, that's a full day's research, I think.
1: Okay, um, so let's let's begin at the beginning. Yeah. Let, uh, can you t- tell us a bit about your your, your background, where, uh, where you're from, who are you? Uh, yeah, sure.
0: I grew up in a tiny, tiny little fishing village called Selardyke, which is in the east of Fife, um, quite close to St Andrews, and um, sort of when I was a little bit older, uh, my father got a job down in England, so I spent my school years down there, but always always coming back up um, about four or five times a year for about ten weeks, ten weeks a year, until I moved back up to Edinburgh when I was 18, and that's been me ever since, nearly 20 years.
1: What what was your dad's job?
0: He was a teacher. Uh, so we could come back up in the in the school holidays. He was a teacher at the boarding school.
1: Okay, so you were uh, you were a board at the school as well?
0: Well, no, our Dad's job was residential, so he he was actually a housemaster as well. So he was in charge of um, eighty residential and and day pupils within our. A boarding house and we had a family house joined on to it so you can think of it a bit like boarding but I just went to sleep with mum and dad instead
1: of a dormitory. But you were you were at this school as, as well were you? Yeah. And so what sports did you play growing up? What When did you get oh. into hockey? Was this when you got into hockey?
0: Yeah uh, Gresham's is very well known for its sports um, and I think I was about I must have been must was been about 89, 90, 90 so I would have been seven when I picked up a, a hockey stick for the first time. Um, and through that, competitively, I, I got quite quite high up within hockey, athletics and tennis, but we, we did everything. I did netball, rounders, squash, badminton, swing. Uh, everything that could be offered, I, I had a go at. Sorry, I have a very noisy cat in the background here. <laughs> <laughs> you wonder what that weird noise is? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um... He's
0: not dying, he's just a bit deaf
1: all right, so how did you get on in your, your playing career? Uh,
0: well, I, I, did, uh, I did very well. Um, athletics was actually my, my main sport. Um, I was a, a javelin thrower, um, so I went all over the country and, and the east of, of England doing that. Um, tennis was actually my second sport, believe it or not, and then uh, when, when i come up here, for the summer holidays, I would play tennis nearly every day, and ultimately um, playing for five for a few games as well. So counting on with that, and um, the hockey I played throughout, um, and then kind of had a had a break when I went went to university, and only picked it up again uh, when I was about twenty eight. So ten years ago. Okay. Like, so, not that long ago.
1: So I'm what, only thirty
0: seven. So uh, yeah. What nine you- years ago?
1: What got you back into hockey?
0: Um, I was heading towards the end of of my university career um, at Edinburgh, and I wanted to teach. And at that time, um, whereas when I started my degree, there was a golden handshake and they were crying out for teachers. By the end, the recession had hit, and the places were very, very few. And I hadn't done a teaching degree. I read architectural history. So I needed to get some experience. And I approached um, schools a- across Edinburgh. And they offered me a coaching job on a Wednesday afternoon, and Saturday morning. And that, I was into my 10th year this year there. Um, and having, having done that for a little while, I was, was like, oh, I miss this sport. And I, I joined up to start playing. And then I started doing a lot more coaching there as well.
1: So tell us a bit about your 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 sports coaching training, the training, you know, your education towards sports coaching. I mean, your degree isn't in sports, so how no, d- it's
0: not. I it couldn't be further away.
1: So how, how how did you train yourself up? How did did you get the knowledge?
0: Well, initially it was just um, harking back from uh, my playing things, and I wasn't in charge of anything when I when I first went along. Um, to MES, so I was I was assisting and things. So I had very skilled people to look up to and just uh, and help with. Um, but because I've grown up in an educational background, um, in fact, about ninety percent of Dad's family are, are in education. There's, there's there's just something that we have. Um, I I could understand how to be around the kids. I've done a gap year actually in a school, so I'd already done a year living and working in a in a boarding school as well. Um, so we just kind of drew from that. And then when I went up to, um, they put me through my UKCC level one. Um, and I sort of, again, progressed up, up the teams with that. Um, and yeah, learning from other people mainly and having really good um, mentors um, until I decided to go full time about three or four years ago. Uh, and then I enrolled, I was the East, well, that not even happened yet. I enrolled in the Women in Coaching program uh, two, three years ago, How time flies, with um, Scottish Hockey, and, and I got it. I think there's about 14 of us that did it over a three, four year span and started my level two. And again, just having wonderful people around me. I work with um, a lot of international players and things like that who, who I learn from every day.
1: Okay, that I mean that sounds amazing. What we, what sort of stuff? Well, firstly, name drop for us what international players, and secondly, what, what, <laughs> to, what specifically have I you learned? See, I don't want to name drop them
0: because uh, I, I don't know if they'd be happy with that. But currently, um, there's, there's, um, well, uh, William Dunferm, there's, there's Martin Door, there's Stephen Glass. See, I'm gonna forget people, and then they're gonna get upset here. Um, we've got. Sheila Duncan is in the overs, um, oh, there's, there's lots and you'd have to go through my Facebook, there's a very talented pool um, of of people there. Uh, Callum Wood, he was GB, there's, there's a huge pool of, of talents to sort of learn from. I also had like um, uh, a proper mentor, uh, Lizzie Starex for the Women in Coaching Programme, um, who was my mentor for a year. Um, who, who guided me through a lot of things and then through the women in coaching program as well Scottish hockey are still doing a lot of CPD things um and courses uh just just for that network of women um and they're, they're really quite good so I'm lucky to have the opportunity to do that for my professional development as well.
1: So what do you know now that you didn't know before?
0: <laughs> didn't know um, as of last week, or or how long ago are we going?
1: I suppose you, the progression of your of your 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 learning, your education. What have you learned yeah, along well, the way?
0: It's it's always progressing. I'm certainly never going to stop progressing it. Um, and uh, I sort of if about where I want to sit within the coaching community. And what I love the most, which is, is the grassroots, the development side and um, all the ethical and, and pastoral stuff behind that um, and management rather than uh, kind of technical um, things like that. Having said that, I, I'm also now a, a Scottish technical official, so I do sit on the desk and, and do things like that at, um, at internationals and things. Um, but that's quite different from being a technical coach or an s and coach uh, coach. I just made up a new word for a Scottish coach. Uh, coach. Um, it's, it's quite different from what those those guys do.
1: A technical official is more more to do with the umpire, isn't it?
0: Yes, that's right. Well, the, you've got your umpires, and you've got the people on the desk, uh, your, your judges, and the guys that do the scoring. Check everything is there. Basically, a, a match is invalid unless there's um, legal documents um, where the. Both teams have to adhere to the rules. They have to check that the, the right players are on, they're wearing the right numbers. Um, and if those, those aren't all sort of present and correct, uh, the match and bars. So we sort all that out. Then you've got the guys, the TDs, the um, technical directors out, out the front of the box. They're making sure the managers for the respective teams uh, stay, stay in their zones. Um, we make sure that the, the player crossovers, that the guys being subbed on and off, that that's done properly. So that that's that's what a a, a TO does, what a, a technical official does, aside from the umpires.
1: Of course, I believe I believe the the head of Scottish hockey is David Sweetman is was doing things like this before. He's, he's an
0: incredibly good umpire. I've actually well, there's another name to drop. Um, he was my coach when I played at Watsonians because um, I, I played with his wife. Um, and it was it was just after that um, that I, I stopped stopped playing really a coach, and um, he he went off and got the CEO job, um, but yeah, he's he's an incredibly incredibly good umpire, very very reasonable, calm guy, fun guy, um, and yeah, very well respected as an
1: umpire. I I interviewed him uh for for a different organisation a few months ago, and uh, oh brilliant, and yeah, he's he's the loveliest person I've ever met, you know, one of the loveliest people I've ever met in, in hockey. He's the, yeah, the... He's, a, he's a good egg. Yes. Um, so how, how did you get into the technical work?
0: Um, again, it was another thing put out by uh, the, the women in coaching. They'll, they'll let us know if the course is coming up and say, are you interested? Um, and I thought, well, yeah, why not? Um, it was often in person, it was the, the indoor youth finals that I would um, be doing, which you know, I love anyway, um, the Eustace, the really, where, where my passion lies and growing future Scottish players. Um, so I went up and I did it and it was it was a fun day and um, I haven't had the opportunity to do so many this year because of circumstances in Dunfermline, um, but yeah, I'll certainly carry on with it when everything gets back to normal.
1: So you are also involved at Dunfermline Carnegie Hockey Club? Oh Yeah. Over here, over here I
0: am the youth convener for Dunfermline Carnegie.
1: So, what is a youth convener? Um, uh,
0: they, they, I'm lucky again. I'm sort of still um, taking over from the guy that, that's done it for years and years, an absolute stalwart of the club. Um, literally been doing it longer than I've been alive. Um, so, he's still doing an awful lot of the organisation, but the youth convener is basically the, the person who's in charge of organizing uh, uh, the children um, and the, the youth sector of the club making the decisions for it organizing matches and friendlies organizing the people who are going to take control of each team and um, the coaches it's the kind of back of house stuff for um, every, all, the, all your child members
1: so what do you prefer uh, the youth convening or the or the technical affi- affi- officialdom
0: I don't know. It's, it's all. I just kind of look at my job as many very varied things that are all part of the umbrella of hockey, um, and each each has a different sort of benefit. I mean, uh, you get a, a great vibe being on the side of the pitch, obviously, when you've got you've got people out there with with Irish shirts, Scotland shirts, Polish shirts. That's very cool to be down pitch side for that. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of pressure because you you can't. You can't just watch the game. You've got to watch for <laughs> umpires stopping time. You've got to, you've got to watch for fouls. You've got to watch for the, um, the the cards and time the, the guys coming off because they come and sit on a naughty sit- seat next to you. Um, so that's fun. But again, the youth convening when you've got a club that you're proud of that that is growing all the time, um, and you're working really hard towards that. That that's a great thing to do as well.
1: What are your coaching philosophies? When you when when you are coaching, what do you look to bring to the kids? What do you look to bring bring to the club?
0: Yeah, um, I would say. Well, my if anybody who knows me will, will know exactly what word I'm going to say first is, is fun. Um, it's got to be fun. They've got to get enjoyment out of it. Um, so my <laughs> my uh, my delivery is um. Not as orthodox as other people's, let's say, because I'm a bit mad myself and I feel like a 12-year-old myself. I'm often told uh, uh, the biggest kid on the pitch, even when there's 200 kids on the pitch. Um, but there's a theory to this madness because if if, if, the, if the kids, and the same goes for adults, but if you're not in a comfortable state mentally, you're not in, in an enjoyment state, that's going to affect your um, physical performance and your ability to learn. So, yeah, making it fun having them enjoy it uh and i need to enjoy it as well so yeah that's my coaching philosophy and and also if you've you know if you've got knowledge pass it on i I think it'd be very selfish not to it's and um it's it's, again you get i get so much out of this in a vocational way which is why i switched from hospitality to sports coaching because you know you're you're building character and, and confidence and Giving a sense of
1: achievement, and those those are all marvellous things that are much easier to deliver a sport than a classroom. The the late great Brian Clough, he's a football coach, and right. one, one of my coaching idols. And he was saying, as a coach, he's, he's always taking something from his playing career. When he was a very uh-huh. young, when he was a very young player, I think maybe making his debut, his coach, the manager, he was playing under, it just relaxed him. First thing he's the only thing he said to him before a match. he just relaxed him, yeah. and uh, he, yeah, yeah. and he took that with him into his into his coaching career. Afterwards, uh-huh. and just got to relax the players. Got to relax the players so they can play properly.
0: Well, I think that's that's very true. I, I, it sounds like a wise man. Um, you know, you you are going to affect your playing if you're if you're worried about something or if you're putting pressure on yourself. If you're not in that. Mental state. So yeah, I'm probably behind that.
1: Would you? Is that is that tied into what you're saying about fun?
0: Ah, uh, yeah. And again, well, I get in the higher up you get, that it's a different type of mental state. And um, this this is all involved in the. I won't bore you with um all the um the coaching, the sports psychology stuff that we touched on. Um, but players need to feel like they're. They have a challenge, but not too much of a challenge. It's to put them in a, in a better state, and that comes from their, their resources, both mentally and physically. Do, are they aware of them? Um, so that we, want to, that we want them to perform to improve their self-confidence will improve their level of control, ultimately. Oh, sorry, my cat's meowing again.
1: Um, now, I'm interested to go back to something you mentioned before, yeah. From your own, from your own um, playing history, your own background of that you, you played several different sports: t- was it tennis, netball, yeah. uh, athletics, hockey yeah. as well. Um, there is a discussion, um, I think, in football right now of it's it's football coaching for kids specialises very very early, maybe, yes. maybe from seven, eight, nine years old. Um, elite, especially elite, at least in these elite level academies. uh uh-huh. Um, whereas i remember watching uh, the Swimming World Championships a few years ago on the BBC, and the American, an American woman who won it, I forget her name, but she won her distance in her breast, and her stroke. Uh-huh. And um, she, she was saying that she played ten different sports growing up. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge
0: advocate of um, multi, multi-sports for... Um what you can take and cross over. And for instance, hockey and cricket are kind of um, sister sports. Their seasons begin and end Um, almost in line with each other. uh, You can convert uh, a cricket or a hockey shot um, either way. Um, You need a a very sort of strong head mentally to to play cricket. Um, But again, there's loads of stuff from rugby you can put into hockey um with with the the evasion techniques and the sidestepping. and also you want you want your body to be as um, fit as possible so it's, it's a bit like if, if we could use the analogy of a gym you wouldn't just go into the gym Well, some people do and just do your arms that's silly you want to do your legs as well you want to do your back you need to get your core strength up and uh, yeah so for me I'm a huge advocate of not specialising, and again, that comes down to enjoyment factor. If I'm creating an athlete,
1: hopefully, they would be a good athlete in, a, in anything, and then we can get to the technical later. Well, I think I think hockey and uh, and cricket have uh, not only a technical. I think that, oh, I think the technical point uh, aspects are similar partly because of um, the, the combined history of two sports. Was it? Yeah. I think it was a cricket club. Uh, um, yes, a lot of cricket clubs have have hockey uh, clubs with them yeah. yeah, also, I mean the, the well, it's, it's, well, Blackheath were a rugby club and they played a stick and ball game in the eighteen forties. But I think it think, was it Teddington who, who played the game most similar to what we have played. Who started, who started oh, the game? You're out
0: of my geographical zone uh, down there. I couldn't <laughs>
1: tell you. It was uh, the, the, the the game most similar to what we played today was started by a cricket club. Um, we played in the winter. This is probably why it's. Uh, they're so interlinked in terms of terms of the seasons and so forth yeah uh, um but yes uh, but i i do, i do remember seeing uh, I, was co- I was once coaching a guy at college i used to run the college team uh-huh. and uh with a with, a, with a, a guy who's um is over from asia and he played you know he played a bit of cricket growing up and he was hit, he was hitting the ball for six every time you know yeah, it was uh, right. Well, no, it's 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 similar. But it's it's like it's some slight different techniques. But um, do you find that with with play, with players from your schools that they have to you have to fine tune them rather than teach them the basics? Yeah, well, I mean, oh, this is
0: again. There's different series on this at the moment. Um, oh, we start off with the basics, obviously, but then the. the the general opinion in the, in the hockey world at the moment is, is let them play um, get as many touches on the ball as possible get them in game-like situations um, rather than sitting there getting them to hit the ball backwards and forwards to each other um, they can do that in their own time if they're really into it you know uh, it is fine honing having said that there's a there's a place for practicing that as well but not your whole session so when they're doing that I can walk around and have a look at them and say, right, well, could you just move that hand a wee bit? I'll oh, look, your toes out. Just stick it facing that way a bit. So there's opportunities to do to do that. Um, there's opportunities to do that all the time, even when they're in our, our small-sided games and and our, our practices that we're doing. I can pull somebody out for two minutes while the rest of them are carrying on, uh, and say, look, did you know that you swing like this? Have a think about it. Go and work on it up by yourself for five minutes and drop back in see if it helps and um, so that, that's that's the way i've kind of um coach things I'll, I'll set up practices and then then i'll have a, a wee look at them and then I'll, if anything personally needs to be done but i mean it's like it's like walking um nobody actually tells you how to walk they don't go you know right baby put that foot in front of that foot bend your knee there and if you actually think about trying to teach somebody how to walk It's a very difficult thing to try and break down. If you listen to somebody telling you how to walk, you'd end up walking like something out of the Ministry of Silly Walks. Um, So this has to be... I believe that the the hockey has to be learned naturally as much as possible, and then we can hone it. So while they're little and grassroots level, yeah, let them play, make it fun, start working the technical in a bit later.
1: So a lot of coaches that i've worked for and worked with and worked under uh they're, they're, they're talking about at least the better ones they're talking about um conditioning games yeah uh, they're creating yeah. creating creating an environment to get the outcomes that you as a coach want to see without them realizing yeah absolutely
0: um but you know, i've been doing that for, for quite a while um Again, this is what what in hockey we're telling us small-sided uh, games rather than just making them practice on a full pitch or a quarter pitch. I will never really in, in practice time never really go any bigger than five v five. And for the first, and we'll do that at the end for fun if I've got a group of ten, if I've got a group of fourteen. If they've been really good, then we'll play a big game. Um, I I tend to make the practices. Um, Weekends, games but with lots of different things I mean I've got a brilliant one with with four goals opposite each other I've got a brilliant one with four goals in the corner but you've got to go around the back I've got a lovely one um, in the D where I just use the D as the space um, and there's a goal at the top of the D and a goal in the ordinary position but every time somebody scores a goal you've got to turn yourself around now that one's great because People will tend to think of themselves as a defender and attacker, uh, and uh, they'll also try and put themselves, uh, well, I'm a midfielder, I'm a left-hand player, I'm a right-hand player. The beauty of that game, you've got loads and loads of goals, because you've only got about 20 feet in between you. When people swap around, they just turn around, so they're now playing on the left, and they're now playing on the right. They're now attacking, and now defending, so that's that's a favourite of mine. But yeah, those kind of things, I think that's where the skill comes in, it's... it's um, coming up with ways for them still to have fun and think they're just playing a game with a couple of rules,
1: but actually there's um, different techniques and different aspects. We are putting that into them as coaches. So that's so that last one you mentioned, that was you know, potentially a traditional set-up of a rectangular pitch with goals at either end, targets at either end. But if, you, mm. but if you're playing from right to left and you score, so your team then... Shoots left to right.
0: Or you can play that. I'll often do it with um, three smaller teams. So sometimes if I've got a 14 and I'm on my own, um, I'll I'll, I'll do this one with them. I've got got three teams um, of of four or five, right? Uh, And one of those teams will be off. Uh, If your team scores, you've got to run off quickly and that team's got to run on immediately to go and defend... defend the other goal but they've got to swap ends and they've got to watch but you, they, they can also get a lot out of observing because well, I'm off on the sideline I think all right look what's that happen there did they think about the triangle where's the space what are you going to do when you go on so I'm letting people play but I'm also educating at the same time
1: yes I, 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 I quite like that it, to, in you know, within the context of um, decision making now, yeah. I've, I've coached a lot of children uh, and young people, um, but don't, you know, it's predominantly the young people sort of post just after adolescence when they, mm-hmm. it, I think they're very used to having mum and dad uh, or whoever's at home doing the stuff for them. Yeah. The decision making is key in creating a successful
0: athlete as well. I mean, it's, <laughs> I've got to be able to make wise decisions very quickly on pitch sometimes. Um, so that, that has to start earlier on if you're going to try and uh, put people
1: in a Scotland and Yes, absolutely. Um, now, going back to what you're saying about maximum of five-a-side. Uh,
0: yeah, for training, that's about my, my level, yeah. Why? Why? Because I want uh, the kids to have more touches on the ball. I want them to have more practice, and I want them to have more head-on-head situations. If I'm playing 14 a side, or or whatever, well, not 14 a side, but if I've got just 11 kids on a whole half pitch, seven a side, they're they're not going to get as much experience. They're not going to, as in the pace isn't going to be as fast. All they're going to be doing is running around. Now, we've also, at the club, got um, an athletics coach that we send them to, if they want to. They do their running there. They do their strengths and conditioning there. So uh, as well as, you know, match experience is fine, but it's very boring when I've only got a limited amount of time with these kids. So I want them to have more touch of the ball. The way we control that is by making the games small-sided.
1: So, you, so you're talking about more opportunities to learn from your mistakes, more opportunities to do something correctly and learn from that as well. Yeah.
0: Opportunities. that's it, more opportunities to actually be a part of the game uh, within, a, uh, within a smaller setting. It just creates more um, opportunities to practice those those um, times when you are going to meet somebody else on the pitch.
1: Okay, so moving on slightly, yes. how would you say, or has your job or your roles within sports, has it changed the way you've perceived sports, perceived the game of hockey or
0: Mm, uh, yes and and no um because Scottish hockey is obviously a massive growth sport at the minute so that's all positive um yeah in in, only in how useful sport really is in the education of young people and I think that well I certainly think that it should be viewed as a necessity for both mental health and physical health and this would just This would give our country so much more of a breather and so much more success. I mean, it would take enormous pressure off the NHS if more people were out there doing sport. Uh, It's been proven that sport, obviously, is great for your physical health, but it's brilliant for your mental health to get out there outside with a group of people. The cost of the country, if we had a a healthier, happier people, would mean we had a stronger workforce, and therefore the cost of the country socially would be taken down. Um, And really, my job as I progress and and mature and and get older, I'd like to see things changed in in Parliament, certainly in Scotland, if not UK-wide. That sport must be uh, included much more in in the curriculum um, in schools. And it's it's not only the the physical and and mental health benefits, it's also the, the social learning of life skills they can roll on a pitch of winning of losing of not getting your way of, of working in, in a team um, you know character building again. Um that can all be done much faster on a pitch than it can in a classroom so yeah that would be my change perception I'm, I'm growing older I'm not saying I want to be an NSP or anything but I certainly, certainly would like to see changes
1: more, more of a lobbyist Perhaps.
0: Yes, yes, one of those those people that goes in with, with a big list of complaints and stands for
1: two of them. Standing on the outside, i get there. They will, they'll,
0: they'll, I, I think it'll get
1: there. Now, in in terms of workforce, I um, oh now I I first met you through the uh summer hockey summer slam uh, yeah, program. in Edinburgh,
0: and I was I was. Um,
1: running the umpires that's right yes now you know this is this was uh in summer hockey it's a bit more relaxed and perhaps the winter league is about
0: three years ago
1: yeah oh 2015 no 16-ish. I think 16 ish 2016 it yeah yeah um so yeah so summer hockey is a bit more relaxed than than the, than the regular winter season um it's <laughs> small smaller it's uh but well, what I play is is generally mixed mixed gender. Um, mm-hmm. but what i what I found there was it's it was still very much the same sort of players I was playing against uh, in the yeah. winter season. Now in terms of um, having a uh, a workforce, um, being healthy and strong and and mentally uh, men- mentally healthy as well. Would you? Would this be the place for, say, an office team to enter?
0: Well, the, uh, there was, before that um, summer league that you're talking about, there was another summer league which was um, kind of office guys going out once a week. Um, so I don't know if they've kind of rolled over. I don't even know if that league sort of exists. Um, but, yeah, I think... But there should be more more opportunities um, for people to do kind of like a a play thing so that, you know, you can have groups in the office because they've got a full-time job. They might have kids. They might not want the commitment or the pressure of being in a team. So with a lot of other sports, you know, you can just go along and join in. You can go down and have, hire a five a side pitch if you want to play football. You can go down and have a game of squash. doesn't mean you need to be a member of a club and invest in the whole thing. So... Yeah, I would. I'd like to see more kind of pop up stuff like that and come and play stuff. So, even the clubs offering a right, come down, give us four quid, and play with play with a group of people. I'd like that. There
1: is there are there are these back to hockey uh, programs. I, I believe yeah. Carnegie does something like this. Is that right? They do,
0: but again, that's sort of um, expecting people to then. Once they've done the back-to-hockey sessions, they'll then get put into a development squad and play in a league. So it's not quite the same
1: thing. You're talking more, more along the lines of um, the non-competitive, father sides things. Yeah. Football things we have uh, that, uh, throughout the country.
0: Exactly. But again, we need we need more numbers for that, more participation numbers, and more facilities. Um and Fife, the facilities are, are pretty poor, and another pitch in St Andrews has just been knocked back as well in favour of a, a second 3G, which um, lots of people have been campaigning for. I and mean, there's only two pitches in Fife, and they're, they're 50 miles apart. One's in St Andrews, and one's in Dunfermline. Um, Dunfermline itself could do with another pitch, never mind
1: everywhere else. Well, the the the, uh, the, the larger facility. Uh, uh, adjacent to the uh, to the pitch was on fire recently in Dunfermline. So. It
0: was! With high school, um, got, got uh, attacked in a, in a rather devastating um, arson attack. Uh, so that, that has made it actually very hard here for Dunfermline, but we've through five of us have struggled through um, because we lost our changing rooms, we lost all our toilet facilities, the community use facility which we need um, to put on matches and have children on on the pitch full stop because we couldn't have them there without um, facilities. The adults still trained but the kids needed um, completely split up and we were using any space in any primary school. Um, so yeah that's had its toll uh, on us this year but like I said we've muddled through, uh, the teams are still looking good and we were almost back to normal. Unfortunately, of this virus, it means
1: that's getting put on hold again, but we'll get to this as well. Yeah. Um, so, in terms of uh, progressing the game, developing the game, what do you think of, uh, well, we, we there's the traditional uh, shorthand version of the game, which is indoor, 60 size. So, yeah, So the, the, the FIH and the IOC seem to be quite... Uh, pleased with the idea of five-a-side hockey right now as well. What do you think of it? Of of playing shorthand versions of the game. Um, the
0: indoor, the indoor, I think is a great idea, um, especially for Scotland, uh, because of our our, well, our weather situation. It's not Argentina here. You look at the other great playing hockey countries, and they have completely different um, sort of weather states to so, us. Uh, Holland's very flat. It's not as wet. They love a bit of hockey out there. They've got some some of the best clubs in, in the world. Again, Belgium very flat. Lots of nice clubs out there. People have been playing hockey for years. Australia, New Zealand, nice weather. Uh, <laughs> lots of places to stick a pitch, and and, and then the, the South Americas as well, who are, are good at it. And, and of course, then you've got your um India and Pakistan and the nice and nice of them. Then so indoor here would actually be a brilliant um, way to, to progress the game. There's sports halls big enough for these, these short-hand games all over the place. The pace of indoor is very, very fast, so your technical skills would actually increase quicker than practice outfield because, you know, the, the game doesn't stop as much either because you can bounce it off the sides. Um it's sustainable as well. You don't need half a million quid for it. So I think Scotland should um, have much more of a, a, a strategic plan for progressing indoor. Um, as for the, the outdoor fibre sides, yeah, I think we've got to work at what what we're good at at the moment and what's growing because it is it's, Scotland hockey has had an exponential growth. Um, over the last few years, I think mean, since 2013, I read somewhere on the Scottish hockey site a couple of months ago, since 2013 it's had like a 90% growth in membership. I, mean, I still couldn't you the figures, I think it's like, I don't know, 13,000 registered players or something like that, But um, which isn't a high amount, but the growth is still rapid. So we need to look at the facilities we've got and the facilities we could get before we even start thinking about another format.
1: I'd like to talk a bit more about your opinions on on, on hockey and the game. Yeah. Um, how much have you seen of the Pro League? Uh,
0: not a lot, I'm afraid. Not a lot. But I've, I've tried to catch up with um, quite a bit of it. I've watched some of the big games um, online with, with the streaming and stuff. But, of course, I'm always uh, coaching or umpiring when these things have been on as well. Or I'm doing something to, to do with these. Um, I... I'd love, love to see more of it. I think it's great that it exists, because it? it's only a year old now, isn't it, mm. the Pro League? It was um, sort, of, sort, of, sort, of, sort of under another moniker before they, they put it all together. I think it's super to see um, clubs from different countries getting being able to, you know, high-level people to be able to practice apart from in internationals, and I think that will grow the sport as well. More people want to watch it since... Um,
1: it is international no, though. No, the
0: Commonwealth was in Glasgow, we built a whole new facility for that. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah, the
0: li- ladies has gold in Rio in 2016, more people want to watch it, so I think it's a good thing. Uh,
1: the Pro League is purely, purely um, international though. What?
0: Oh, is it? I thought that was, um, no, it's clubs, isn't it?
1: No, 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 no. Uh, uh,
0: which one am I thinking of?
1: Uh, perhaps the European Hockey League.
0: I'm thinking of the Euro stuff, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean I suppose this ties into a into a wider conversation of should um, we be should we be promoting elite level international hockey or elite level yeah, 100%, club hockey? One hundred
0: percent. I'm with you now because they've changed the names of it One bit. <laughs> I actually don't follow follow it that much because if I did, I'd, I'd just uh, I'd take a week to follow everything when I've got all my my new stuff. Um, yeah, of course it is. It's important um, oh, for people to have access to see international games if they're not actually going to go along to them. Um,
1: the, the, again,
0: to drum up response and membership and people going and having a go themselves because they're like, "Whoa, that's really cool."
1: The the conversation in the in the in the within the wider uh, hockey context is, should we be investing money at, at the at the international level or should we be investing money at the club level? Should we be trying to promote clubs in yeah. m- more...
0: Again, these are aspects that um, have to be taken into a total strategy and, and they are being done so within Scottish hockey. Um, they've, they've worked very hard on, on a... Different on, on a, a clear strategy, but also on a different that spreads right down to the grassroots and the youth and the clubs because there's now a more unified um, player pathway um, to pull our different districts. Scotland's banded with districts: or so Midland, East, West, North. Uh, there's another everyone. Um, so they are all in line with the same training methods, but within that, up at the next level, uh, the four countries within GB are now. Um, all singing out of the same hymn book, if you like, um, and that's being called together. So then at the next level up, yeah, that's happening as well. So it, yeah, it has to be a balance because there'd be no international players without without clubs. Um, and I'm fairly confident given the growth that we've had and the success that we've had recently. I mean, I think um, our, our women were promoted last year yeah, they were 2019 The memo 2017, I think. The strategy that, that we've got at the minute is obviously working. Um, I'm not involved at, at that higher level. Um, certainly within coaching, um, I have close contact with Colleen Reed, who's the, coaching, um, the head of coaching development uh, for Scotland. So she's out there educating all the coaches in clubs and things. So the investment is being put in. Within club level, educating more coaches to educate more more people for certain, and it looks like that's that's carrying on. I mean, with every year, we seem to get another another Scottish player within the the GB development um, squad, which is
1: great. Um, a few years ago, we would have been way behind England on that.
0: They have you know millions and millions more people than we do. There's the same amount of people in London as so there is in the whole amount of Scotland. So. Um, to have to see that rise um, in our talent means that we're doing something right.
1: I have I have noticed since Mark Hagar te- uh, took over, uh, one of the goalkeepers, everything uh, the set up is Scottish. Has um, a couple more players in the in the elite development program who are Scottish. Yeah. Um, well, I've it-
0: got two friends that have been in it in the in the past two years. Who's that? They're actually, a girl that I used to teach is in the, in the full squad now. Um so she's she's obviously come come through the Scottish levels and then uh my friends Mac and Longer have both been through it as well. Mac's still uh, going through it and that's that's super to see.
1: So who's your friend who's in it now? Uh
0: so my friend Mackenzie Bell, she's a Scotland internationalist, she's within I think she's still within the G B uh, development program. yeah sure she is. I haven't spoken to her for a couple of
1: months. Now is the time to touch base. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, I mean, it's it almost certainly if we if we have if we go ahead with the Olympics, we will, we will almost certainly have Scottish players in the uh, in the squad there. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm kind of of the view that the, the Olympics should be paused at the moment. Yeah. There's countries pulling out left, right, and centre, so I don't, I don't see
1: it going ahead. The uh, the Japanese. Um, well, they, they, don't, they also don't seem to have a, a clear opinion what's going to happen yet one minute they're saying one thing another minute are saying something else but it's, yeah. uh, a, there seems to be a, um, uh, a part of the contract with the uh, International Olympic Committee seems to be quite broad in, in terms of how it can be interpreted Of yes it's the Summer Olympics but it can be done at any point within the year of twenty twenty, apparently. Oh,
0: is that right?
1: Appa- well, uh, so I uh, think the
0: Olympic committee should really get together and say just postpone it, <laughs> not cancel it, postpone it, and when everything's back to normal, then those facilities aren't wasted. The uh,
1: the the European football tournament, which is meant to be happening, the men's tournament, the men, uh, yeah. the men are every uh, are every two years on the even year, and women are every two years on the on the odd year. Uh-huh. Um, so it was meant to be um, the women's turn next year for the Europeans um, in England, but uh, uh-huh. it looks like it's, it might get it might have to share the share the billing with uh, the men's event. As you know, for instance, uh-huh. uh, I'm all
0: for that. <laughs> Obviously, as a w- woman in sport um, and coaching in sport, uh, I'm quite a rarity. Um, <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of Still, um, very much a well, not within hockey actually. We've got a good amount of um, decent chicks with a head screwed on in hockey, but certainly other sports are very, very much um, male dominated. Again, why hockey is such a brilliant sport—it's it's its 50 men and women representation um, across the board. Which, again, I think I'm not sure there's any other sport that has quite as even distribution um, gender-wise. So that, that's something else that, that hockey's got going for it.
1: I, I do remember listening to a, a um, it was like a women, women in sports uh, podcast, I think it had Tracy Neville on it, I think mean, uh, uh, yeah. my footballer as well, um, but also Helen Richardson Walsh, uh, she's fantastic, one half of the, of, of the hockey Power couple, um, yeah. and she, she, she was saying, yeah, we're pretty good. But there's still more to be done. I think, you know, were, at the time there was the uh, Hockey There's that... more
0: to be done, but that's where we can fly the flag, I think. Um, even with our, our fans and our officials, there's, there's no pushing, there's no shoving, there's no swearing. We're very, very well controlled on the pitch. Partly because if things go wrong, they can really go wrong. Um, we all have to be respectful to others, be respectful to the officials... Uh, be respectful, respectful to the other team. Um, it's, it's a sport that's that's much more about respect of the game than um, than and, and the people doing it than about the winning and the competition and stuff like that. It's, we're we're all one big. Uh, you're not going to say this, but we're all really one big hockey family, and and everybody is quite tight. It doesn't matter which which club you play for. I've got mates that are Grove Menders Hills. Um, I've got mates to look what St Kilda, I've got mates to in Belize, I've got mates to in Glasgow at the Wildcats, and when you bump into them, there's no animosity at all. You shake hands, you leave it on the pitch, and you go out and have a fight together. That's the way it should be.
1: In terms of in terms of uh, w- women and hockey, um, mm. what what more can be done?
0: Uh, same. Well, actually, within within hockey, I would say same. That could be done with the men we need to make it professionalised. The men and women playing for the, the international squad still have to go off and do do their jobs um, or, or be at university or whatever. Um, and I, I don't think they can expect much more progression until, well, it's made professionalised. But again, we need the budget, we need the players, we need the participation across the country to increase in order to create those funds. Um I believe it will happen. Some some hockey players are lucky enough to be good enough to go and get a professional contract in Germany or, or Belgium or, or Holland. Some are lucky enough to have their own coaching companies and a, a lot of them do that as well. Um, but yeah, more more could be done. It's happening. I do I do believe it's very positive because you know, things like the Pro League and, and getting it on the telly. And the success at the Commonwealth and the Olympics, it's, it's just, it's growing. And it's, it's lovely to be a part of it. It's happening very organically.
1: So who knows what the future will hold? So, I, so I believe that the, uh, one of the Scottish goalkeepers, um, Amy Gibson, the women's keeper, mm-hmm. I, I believe she has a professional contract in Germany. Um, Fantastic. Uh, that. That was great. Uh, and Bundesliga champion, I, I believe as well, um, Nikki Cochran, who's the other Scotland goalkeeper, she she is a part of the elite development program uh, with uh, with Great Britain, so I think she gets some money for that, but it's not it's not as good as say um, Maddie Hinch, um, yeah. uh, Charlotte Watson, um, I believe has just been given a bit more money uh, as part of the centralized contract with Great Britain. So, uh, but, but these are these are. I mean, there's only about I maybe mean, thirty A team positions available uh, yeah, in, the, in the women's right. game. Um, For
0: the Welsh and the Irish and the English to compete against as
1: well. Yeah, exactly. So, and it's, and it's predominantly English. Um, well, again, I think that's, that's a
0: numbers thing, but I think we'll see that change. Um, i went over to ireland last summer to see to, to work with some of the irish players um at, at a kids camp um but i knew there was a lot of lot of Ireland players were going to be there um and i asked them what well, what do you do that's that's different you know and i wanted to watch and i couldn't really identify much but again um they have a bit they seem to have a bit more funding their clubs are are more impressive. I was down at Lusignan and, it's, and um, it's really cool. It's certainly more impressive than than a picture
1: in the middle of a housing state next door to a burnt down school. <laughs> I, mean, I was going to ask you this. This was my next question: of should the should the funding for professional contracts should that be coming from the international governing body, or should it be coming from the clubs? Because I know in uh, Holland, well, it's uh, the I think clubs. It should
0: be as per the growth of the sport. So if a club meets a pitch relay or or a clubhouse, or or if we want to place one in in a county that doesn't have one, I think they they should be providing the opportunities. Again, we're coming into very different times where there's not going to be a lot of free money, so the progression there may well be indoor, and the focus may well have to be on that.
1: So I, I think the GB squad is funded at least in part by Sport England. Yeah, I'm.
0: Mean, I think it is.
1: I'm pretty sure you're right with that. So I mean, so in terms of Scotland, we have, we have Sport Scotland, and uh, which is which is funded partly by 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 the national national lottery funding. Um, uh uh-huh, That's funny. Um That's
0: why my my DCI stuff comes in. My direct club investment. Uh, Taking it
1: right back to um, grassroots, that's how I get to go out into all the state schools. That's partly funded by the lottery from Sports Scotland. Yeah, and being that Sports Scotland funds so much, including 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 yourself, Susie. Yeah, yeah, uh, partly. Yeah. Uh, is it, is that the only place that we should be getting funding, or can we can we be looking elsewhere? Should the clubs do they have responsibility to be sourcing sponsorship or ticket sales?
0: Ticket seals for who's all? I mean, you go along on Saturday afternoon, I think we've got to drum up the numbers first before clubs could charge. Uh, There's there's never a time when there's there's, as many people supporting a a Sunday kids game. There's never as many people watching a a hockey game, um, unless it's sort of top of the league stuff. Um, Oh, that's, that's a tough one for me. I know there's been times where... Scottish Hockey have uh, charged for games when I don't think they should have, but I appreciate why they've had to, because it's um, a council venue and they get charged a fortune to open it up. But then again, you're sitting there with, with empty seats and I'm thinking, could those not have been passed over to the local schools and clubs? Um, again, it's, it's not my area. I, I wouldn't like to comment on things um, that I, I think they will have been thought about. And I'm simply offering my opinion here. I, I don't like to see empty seats during Glasgow when there's so many so many clubs there. So my, my thing that I'd like to see Scottish hockey do, is they know those empty seats, pile a load of tickets out to the local clubs for the youth contingent. Um, because, again, it's, it's down to participation level. For people to aspire to be better, they need to do these, these good games. Um, Sponsorship-wise, I think most clubs already try to get us um, sponsorship, to be honest. I know we do. Some clubs have a, a cooler sponsorship than others over in Addingston. Um, Addingston is the home of the Tex Tea Cake oh. factory, or if you like a caramel log, it's there. And it's almost a brilliant fun. If you're ever going through to watch a game at Addingston, they're a, a marvellous club, and they're, um, you know, they're quite high up. They've got a great clubhouse. They've got a pickup truck that looks like a Tux. Um, wafer, and oh, no, I think that's fantastic. So, and they've got a they've got a cricket club there as well. But, so they're all right. Um, and the fact was really cool. You've got to go and look at it. It's like the Willy Wonka of of, of Scottish sweeties. Um, so some clubs are really good at it. Some clubs aren't. Again, that's down to oh membership growth. How many people can you get to help on a volunteer basis? What incentives could we offer those volunteers? It's, it's,
1: uh, how long is a piece of string really? take? I'm probably pulling the pencil off everybody now. <laughs> I, I was I was chatting to um, one of the other interviewees earlier on in the series about yeah. about putting on, on events during games. So I think what a lot of clubs struggle with is that they don't own their pitch, so it's, yes. it's, it's a hire from the local school or the local council. Well, that's right. I said, so, if it's a local school hire, for example, I was suggesting, why can't we, why can't clubs do a deal with uh, the local school, get the uh, amateur dramatics department down, get the music club down, the, the school band, put on a bit of an event, get a, yeah. get a local burger van. Not
0: a bad idea. So, what, what, I mean, a
1: fun, and because, um, well, my role, role is Midland um,
0: Youth Coordinator for Scottish Hockey. They were trialling a new um, a new festival system for the use in the Midland district, rather than the the older league system they they've been doing. So rather than meeting every Sunday, banging heads um with the same people in the same format every week, um, we were hosting instead um, a fun tournament once a month, uh, which every club got the opportunity to host. Um so when we could be the Dundee Wanderers, you'd go up and play at that venue and every club gets to put on a bit of hospitality as well. So they've got a wee store with a raffle for whatever charity they want, if they're selling uh bacon rolls or burgers or, or whatever they want. Um and that on up a we've got a cash for the club as well. And it also meant the kids had a variety of um places. Again, the traditional league system tended to be held at the same place, same time, so, um, every week. Um, with this, it meant uh, every club could show the other clubs why they think they're the best club. Um, great opportunity for their youth umpires to get a crack at um, having a go and a safe environment as well. That's going to get rolled Well, I believe that was going to get rolled out um, across the other districts as well. But certainly from the success of that, we were going to do a lot of that stuff at Dunfermline. and I had big plans for um, festivals because as my background is in hospitality and event management. Uh, that, that kind of thing comes pretty easily. So I, I had big ideas for that.
1: Susie? Yeah. Thank you very much. Hi, I'm Alan Forsyth and you're listening to Half Court Press podcast. This has been a Half Court Press production by Theo McLeod.